happened. And many times, God is always waiting to see how far you will go. You get, and as you go further in your fast, as you go further in your prayer, you are developing um, yourself in the spirit realm and you're getting more weight and more grace is made available to you. You get what I'm saying? So please don't stop. Just keep pushing and God will strengthen you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Um, also, I hope you've been observing your fire alarms. 3, 6, 12. Um, 3, 6, 12. Remember, prayer rain prays at 12, 30, 12 p.m. So there's a praying in the street for 30 minutes. I hope you've joined that. I, I, I heard we had an amazing time this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor Stephanie and Minister Victor for leading us in prayers. You know, um, it was a powerful time um, that we had this morning in prayer, declaration, releasing of the word of the Lord. And we're going to continue again tomorrow morning. So just stay alert and stay ready and keep pushing. Something is going to happen. What One of the first things you realize is the way you respond. And you're going to be responding differently to the things in your life, differently. You know, that's really, really powerful. Um, so before we go on, I want to play something for you guys that I played, um, that I said in one of the classes that I had recently. Um, I just want to play it. And when I saw it, I thought, huh, I should play this for our builders masterclass. Can you give me ability to share my screen, please? Uh, or you can play it from your end. Uh, so it was something I was teaching one of the classes and I taught and I spoke about dealing with issues in the bloodline. You know, and I said, you know, so for you to be able to do that, you have to be able to map, you know, and to find out, catching, it's really hanging on my end. Do you think you can play it? Okay. I said, you have to be able to map, you know, your bloodline to see what are the things that you have to deal with. To see what the things you have to deal with are. So somebody asked me in the class, Pierre, how do I do that? How do I map? How do I know what exactly I'm supposed to, to deal with? You know, so I then answered the question. So when I answered the question, I thought, hmm, this is something to share with uh, my praying people, my builders masterclass, because these are all powerful people that need to learn about God and bloodline mapping and all of that. So I will play it. It's about... 12 to 15 minutes. And if that's the only thing we hear today, I believe it is going to be very, 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 very helpful for everybody. Even if that's the only thing you hear today. All right. So let me go ahead and see if I can share my screen. Is that a good idea? Do you guys want to learn how to map? to know what to deal with in your bloodline. Okay. So I'll teach it fully in luminary, actually. So this was just me answering a question on the spot, but I'm developing it into an entire curriculum. But I thought at least just one, let me give my, you that's my class people. Okay, I'm sharing. 
All right. Can you see my pretty face in the video? <laughs> Is it on your screen? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, let's see. You don't have to ask questions and pray. There are some things that your parents will never tell you. Your grandmother will never tell you. Only God can tell you. That's why we look at show me great analysis and it's for the sales prayer. Because in prayer, God can show you things that your great grandfather did. Even your father did not do. But it's not speaking of the children. So you have to pray. Intentionally and consistently about that. And for some reason, what's on the back? The volume is low. Generational market, family market. Yeah. It was half past the I don't know why I was supposed to be the past. So, because all you start to show is this. Because sometimes it's like you're telling or sleeping or not sleeping clients in your lineage. You will wake up and say, Ah, who is this? You've been in time for 100 years and nobody has You are not questioning it. You know, so because in prayer, God can show the Jacobization is the rise of how the world knows the student of genealogy because they are not facing people to ask questions about language. That was the one. He said you should study about mind, about genealogy, and generations before us. I've been about studying genealogy. We don't have to ask questions and pray. There are some things that your parents will never tell you, your grandmothers will never tell you, only God can tell you. That's why we look at shouldn't be some medicine to the Because to pray that, God can show you things that your great grandfather did. That's even your father was not know. That it is worth speaking, God can show you. So you have to pray intentionally and consistently about the matter. And for some reason, so you are doing um, generational mapping, family mapping. You must ask us to do this. I don't know why, but there's always a need for us. So, but when you start to show you things, sometimes it's like you're coming and sleeping and sleeping giants in your village. He will look up and say, Ah, who is this? The thing you can't for 100 years and nobody has questioned. You are not questioning it. You know, so you rather take out one person in the village. That allow the entire blood to enter the body. So you have to fast so that you can bear the things that they will show you. But now it's not just about me. Nothing is not enough. The question is what you do, what you do, what you know. You don't have to keep praying alongside God reveal as God's strategies to come back to the world reveals. And of course, ask questions. Ask questions. 
Mais maintenant, qu'on passe que Jésus t'a sida à nous croire de ça. Le conseil sur le prix de très fort, aussi la version croire de ça dans une Okay, guys, I don't know if you can hear me. Can you still hear me? Okay, so, um, you know what I'm going to do? Okay, so I'm going to talk to you. At this point, I start to talk about data and the data that you need in mapping. I said, at least use current data available to you. So I start to list out the data. I list out 13, God, 13 things you can use in observing and determining um, what it is you have to deal with in your bloodline, okay? So I said, use current and available data. All right. Yeah, think about this or your mother's sister or your father's sister. I just want to say, uncle died at 1868. I just saw that uncle died at 65. Ah, nobody has lived up to 70 in my father's lineage. You know, there are things you can, you can, you can use current data to map. You just have to be intentional about it. And then draw up seven um, areas that you actually want to map. So maybe like number one, marriage, the conditions of marriage, you know, because there are, there are major pillars where familiar spirits show up. Do you get a hem? So things like marriage. Another area where familiar spirits show up in families is mental health. Mental health. Another area where familiar spirits show up is in the prosperity of the family. Check the prosperity and how it has flowed. You understand? Is it poverty, streaking, inconsistent, you know? So check the prosperity. Familiar spirits always um, show up from there. The, another area is priesthood. Priesthood and worship. So check, how do they serve God in the house? Which God do they serve? You understand? So you have to check. Then, of course, yes. Another area you check is in terms of firstborns, lastborns, you know, key positions in the homes. I have the head and the tail. You know, check those, um, those areas. Another area you, you use when you're mapping family lines is um, sicknesses, health. You know, so are there certain things in the body? Uh, high blood pressure is always passed down. Diabetes is in the family line. Da, 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 da. So always check uh, stuff like that. Then you can use current known covenants. So there are some things like, oh, ah, they say in our family we are from uh, Osu. We are from here. Our generations were the ones that the kings cursed. Our this one were the ones that did this one. We heard that our, you know, there are some currently known covenants. Um, so familiar spirits usually show up in these areas. Another thing you want to check is gifts, giftings and graces. Giftings and graces is another um thing you can use to map, you know, the situations of family lines. So giftings and graces um is another thing you can use to map. Another thing you can use to map is the fathers. The fathers. Look at fatherhood. Pattern of fatherhood in the family. Pattern of fatherhood. Watch it. You know, then also mothers. Look at pattern of motherhood in the family. You know, you will see similarities amongst them. Then the last thing, I know this is number 11. The last thing is look at behaviors and characteristics, certain key behaviors, 
Like, are they angry people? Are they um, thrift uh, in terms of money? Are they spent thrift? Um, in terms of, um, are they people who are very jovial? Are they, you know, ch check, you know, stuff like that. You can, you can map um, with certain key characters, you know, malicious. You know, it's a family, it's the spirit of complaint is in that family. Check the characters, you know, ah, my grandfather used to complain a lot. My father actually can complain about check on the table, you know, just something like that. Can your father complain about that they left cup on the table? He can complain about it for one hour. And then you he will not say no. When your mother is like, hey, boy, it's okay now. The cup is no, don't tell it's okay. Because you see, in this life, cup is a system of water. If you don't cup the cup, the cup will cup you. Ah, Jesus. Note it. So look for behaviors like that um, in the bloodline. So as you begin to map around these 11 areas, I want to make it 12 because I didn't know this before, but I'm just listing as I go on. So I, I think I, I want a 12th one. I, I believe that there will be a 12th one that you can um, use in mapping. The Holy Spirit will bring it to mind or, you know, God will use. Uh, oh, another thing you can use in mapping is time of marriage time of marriage or cycles in marriages you know that that's the 12th thing now when you have done this mapping and data collecting and gathering we've talked about health already and data collecting and gathering now begin to identify even from scriptures the spirits behind those things there are certain spirits that influence certain things and when you're doing marriage also look at things like repeated adultery you know I just think there are things like that in the bloodline. You understand? So when you're talking about health and all, setting, setting key traumas. So in fact, that's number 13, traumas that have existed in the home. So in some families, they'll tell you, ah, uncle, this raped this person. Then you'll not notice that your cousin also told you that uh, Achilles was the person that is virgin. So there are certain key traumas in families. And traumas are doors that enable the same thing to be perpetrated generationally. So no for traumas, certain key traumas that exist and they, 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 they sprout like that in different, uh -huh. now then write the spirits behind each of these things. When you, when you write the spirits that control these things, you then begin to know what your war is about. So you know what to renounce, you know what to denounce, you know what to rebuke because there are some things that you don't have the power to rebuke. Uh -huh. Because somebody used blood to sign it. And you know that the Bible says that um, when Abraham paid tithe, Levi inside of him paid tithe too. So four generations away, Levi priesthood was being established by Abraham. So before Levi even entered this world, or before they knew whose Levi's mother will be and who's their father, Abraham already covenanted him onto priesthood. So somebody has used blood to sign this matter and has given gifts to a God. So that's not what you come and say, I rebuke it. What are you rebuking? A legality. Aha. So it takes a, a, there has to be a bridge in the legal system for you to escape. That's what happens even in law. Somebody can kill a person. Depend, your lawyer has to find it in the legal system, the law of that land, 
to help you escape judgment for murder. So that's the same way, even in the spirit realm, God will now begin to show you where there is a superseding law in the spirit that can deliver you. Sometimes you may not be able to deliver your entire family, or you can teach them how you, you escape so that they will escape. You get what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. So you now know which ones you can renounce, which one you can denounce, which one you can rebuke, which one you cannot rebuke. <laughs> God will now begin to show you things that have been in your home for years that are actually altars. You are actually making me teach an entire module of luminary. Because in luminary, I, I will teach the people about bloodlines and dealing with affairs in the bloodlines. But you know that it is not only curses that are in bloodlines, they are blessings. And some families are waiting for the people who reclaim them. Because when you see a family that is richly attacked by hell, that family is actually richly endowed by God. So those attacks are distractions. So no one in the family can gather themselves to fight for what God has given them. Hey, so there's an entire two, three weeks in luminary. If I want to say almost one more where we deal with just bloodlines. And I will take everybody back into the Bible. And it's not bloodlines from because every witch in my father's house died. No, no, please, 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 please. <laughs> That's not what we'll do that during the retreats. There'll be one day for that. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll not be coming alone for that, for that retreat. I'll be with somebody, but I will first teach it for a while. So that's the topic I will teach before our retreat, you know. And the reason why is because I found out that we don't know that blood is one of the most intelligent systems of the spirit. So when Jesus gave his blood, eh, Jesus did not just give something red. You need to understand that blood is a data management system of the spirit realm. Anything imputed in blood is never lost in time. Imputed in blood is not lost to time. So part of the things that we teach you people is blood and the memory bank of blood and the data system of blood. You need to think of blood as a supercomputer that powers the data of nations. So it is in blood. That's why Israel is fighting Gaza. Blood is the reason why. Whose blood? Abraham's blood. Because it was in Abraham God made a covenant. And it is the blood that has been passed down to them now. All the fire that Yahweh is firing is what? Blood. So when we talk about bloodline, teaching about bloodline, I'm not going to be teaching. Um, yeah, there are demons there. But there are blessings there. There are promises there. There are prophecies there. There is nothing in this life that watches time and seasons more than the blood. Blood? <laughs> when the clock ticks like this, bam, when a covenant is instituted, instituted into blood, have you seen families where every September somebody must die? Who tells blood the time? Not this record. And beyond, blood has wristwatch. It follows time. So, of course, when I teach about bloodline, I'll teach about gatekeepers. And when you say familiar spirit, what does it family? Who is a familiar spirit? What is a familiar spirit? 
These are topics for luminary people. But I'm glad you asked the question. And I'm glad this class is thinking about it because you see, there are people who have five master's degree but cannot build anything. When they build, it's like sand oil from their fingers because the strength to establish was sold by another generation. The strength to establish. So how do you redeem what was legally sold? And you now have to use a higher legal system now. So when we talk about the blood, I will not enter the courts in the spirit realm, the court of judgment, the court of blessing, the court of appeal. These are all different court rules in the realm of the spirit. So you have to know where it's on. So people will enter uh, where they are called for judgment and they'll be shouting, I know who I am. Keep quiet. That's no way to do that. It's going to be repenting like Daniel and be saying, for I and my father's house have sinned. You understand? I and my father's house, we have erred. That that we have mercy on us, oh God. And you begin to list out the errors of your father's house. <laughs> You will see that as you are listening out there, something will, you will begin to wail. The enormity, because you see, the people that deliver families and nations, they don't do it because they somebody wrote in one book. Now begin to say, my father's house, my father's house. No. When you are when you enter that place in the spirit, as you are saying, my father's house, you will feel it, the weight of transgression. Something is, it will register your spirit, the error. The margin of error in your lineage, you will know that you are only alive by mercy. Well, those are the times people question their salvation. Am I even saved? Ah, this I would have died. I would not have known. What am I giving my children? BIS education, school in Kenya. How does that measure to reward an inheritance and legacy? These were the battles that David fought that enabled Solomon to live in prosperity. There were altars David confronted in Israel. Uh, so, God bless you. Do not provoke me to speak of the things I do not want to speak about just yet. <laughs> but it, it was, it's good to hear from you. And I hope that what I've said so far, Kade, Kaski, Kagambele, Kitanda, is going to be helpful for you. Um, in a measure. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hello, 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 everyone. Hi, guys. So was that helpful? Did someone get some good information there? Hmm. Was that helpful for somebody? It's unlocking some serious questions, right? Yeah, I mean, we weren't, we weren't uh, I, I mean, it was not on my radar to speak about blood or anything like that today. But um, while I was going over my, my work today and thinking about Luminary and, you know, working towards the curriculum for Luminary and just making sure everything is, you know, together for the course and the students, I remembered this clip and I said, that's true. You know, I mean, we have some stuff on bloodline. Let me watch that video. And as I watched it, I thought, no, the builders need to hear this. You know, the builders need to hear this. I hope everyone took down the 13 
data points that you use in mapping your bloodline. Did everybody get it? The 13 data points that I shared. I hope you all took it down because I said, sometimes you don't have all the information, but you can use available data. And we take for granted the things that we already know. If we just pay just a little bit more attention, you understand, you will find out that there's so much that you know that you have not taken time to observe. You get what I'm talking about? Yes. So, but as a builder, one of the things by which we build is we build by the blood of Jesus. We build by the blood of Jesus. Um, okay. So you have to make sure that at every point in time, you are using the blood of Jesus to navigate your way in the realm of the spirit. Oh, somebody said the picture just changed. Yeah, that wasn't me from today. That was, I was playing a video from a previous class. That wasn't me from today. I'll share my screen. Okay. All right. So do you want me to, because remember we were on, um, we were on a different protocol. We were on a building strategy. We're supposed to be finishing unity and collaboration. But if you want me to touch a bit on the blog and bloodline, I could touch a bit on it today. So what do we do? Do we finish unity and collaboration or do we touch a bit on blood? Okay. Right. I think this is going to be a bloody class, pun intended. You know, so everybody is like, okay, all right. All right. Anybody that comes on this chat, we think is a group of serial killers, please stop typing blood. Okay. <laughs> Masterclass. <laughs> like blood, blood. And everybody that joins, like, I think I joined the wrong group. And we're all just typing blood. <laughs> okay. So all right, all right. Okay. So let's do it. Let's 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 touch on it just a little bit because I believe it's really, really critical. And to be honest, most of these things um, are things that I'm learning and things, okay, let's finish unity and collaboration and then go to blood. Is that what you guys are saying? Are things that I'm learning and things that, you know, it is with time and questions, you know, that God begins to explain a lot of things. All right. Uh, Okay. Somebody said no. That's why I said blood. That's blood. Okay, let's go to the blood. Let's get to the blood now. All right, let me look for my notes um, on blood and blood covenants. All right, praise Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you because I know that every time you teach your people about the blood, it is because you are seeking to liberate. It is because you are seeking to release and to establish your people father this was not a topic on my heart it wasn't a topic i prepared for today but lord i know that you're forever prepared to teach your people so i ask that you will govern my lips you will govern my mouth you will govern my heart you will govern the communication of your word so that every single word will hit the target and it will liberate your people in the mighty name of jesus amen Amen. Praise God. All right. I hope you're ready to write a bit. So I will not be able to teach everything, but for those um, people that are part of the Luminary program, we're going to do this like two weeks straight. We'll talk about the blood. But for today, I'm just going to use this class to go on real quickly. 
So um, the potency of the blood is dependent on whose blood it is, okay? So like I said in that video, I said blood carries record. Blood is like a data management system in the realm of the spirit. That's why the Bible says that there are three things that bear witness here on earth. It says the water, the blood, and the spirit. Um, and so the blood bears witness. What does it mean to bear witness? To bear witness means that you were present when a thing was happening and you communicate concerning the things that you saw and the things that you experienced and the things that you heard and the things that you felt. So that is what it means to be a witness. So when it says that the blood bears witness, that is to tell you that, and I think the blood also bears witness in heaven. Somebody find that scripture for me, please. And when, so when it says that the blood bears witness, what it's talking about is that the blood actually is a recorder and is it has life, it is present, it has a voice. Remember when Cain killed Abel, that what God said to him, he said, the blood of your brother Abel is crying out from the ground. He says it's crying out from the ground. That is to tell you that blood has got a voice. Blood is a living entity. Blood in itself cannot be killed by the death of the body because the body of Abel had died, but the blood of Abel was speaking. Okay, don't give me the verse. Put the scripture in for a quote. Don't just write the verse. Put, put out the scripture um, because this is a class I'm teaching. Everybody, I'm going to teach it together. So pull up the scripture and put it in the chat. So the, the blood of Abel was crying out from the ground. So God was saying um, to him pretty much that, listen, the body might have died, but the voice of the blood does not die. So the voice survives here on earth, even when the body dies. This is why the Bible speaks about, you know, there's a scripture that speaks about that the cup of the people were not yet full. A nation God was going to persecute. He says that the voice of the saints were crying out, the voice of the dead saints, the saints that had been killed. So there is something about the voice of blood that cries. This is why when people want to establish legal covenants in the realm of the spirit and covenants that we go from generation to generation to generation, blood is used because the satanic kingdom understands that a man's blood is a witness to the man's life. A man's blood is a witness to the man's um, desire, it is an approval from the man. This is why no matter what you do or how much you fall in love with a person, if you are not even if you are married, but let's just say you are not married to the person. You should never have a blood covenant with anybody, no matter how in love you are. Is somebody with me? So there are people who they'll say, oh, you cut yourself, I cut myself, we'll put our blood together. This is what still troubles a lot of people after they get saved. In Nigerian universities, they have called cults. And many people of today who were born maybe in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, even going forward, joined cults in the university days in Nigeria. And many of these cults, you had to do like blood rituals. So you see some of those men today who are married with children, some still cannot gather themselves together. There are still some violent characteristics, violent habits that come out of their lives from time to time. Because see, whatever you enter into intentionally, you will come out of it intentionally. Deliverance is not a haphazard process. It is an intentional process of renouncing, denouncing certain altars so that you might enter into the liberty of God that is available in the blood of Jesus.
So many of us have been born again. Yes, we have, we have been saved into the kingdom of God, but we are yet carrying certain baggage and certain issues and certain troubles. So for example, you may come to my house and you come to my house with all your former clothes, all your used clothes, dirty clothes, maybe torn clothes. And you can dwell in this house for as long as you want. If you never intentionally make the effort to say, you know what, I'm going into the bathroom to shower, and then I leave clothes for you in the, in the bedroom, and you never intentionally say, you know what, I'm going to throw this dirty clothes away and pick some clean clothes from the closet that has been made available to me to wear, you would be in this house, but yet you'll be smelling, yet you'll be in rags, yet you, you'll be the same way that you came in. It's the same way many people have come into the kingdom through the gates of salvation. But when you enter through the gate of salvation, there are many other gates in the kingdom. There are many other heights you can ascend into. And the way it happens is that you have to be intentional about following Christ and following God every step on the way. So the Bible began to speak in that scripture. Let me read it out quickly. Say, for there are three things that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. It says these three are one, and there are three things that bear with us on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. So that means blood bears record here on earth. So as long as it pertains to the earth, blood must be involved. This is why when Jesus died, Jesus had to allow his blood to touch the earth as a new record on the earth that a man who knew no sin was killed for the sins of others. That was the record when he died. But the Bible says he descended into hell. And when he went into the hell, the Holy Ghost, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, they defeated Satan in hell, made a public display of him. And he also ascended and came out of the grave. Now, the Bible speaks about when he was, he came out and they saw him and Mary was going to touch him. He said, don't touch me because I have not yet offered my blood. Now, my son was asking me this question when he was watching. Remember the low budget and Jesus of Nazareth movies, I told you, my husband likes to play. They were watching it. So he saw when Mary was about to hold Jesus. And the Jesus in the field was like, don't touch me. Very dramatic. Mary, don't touch you know. So he was like, well, why is he like, don't touch me? I said, because he has not yet offered up his blood. And so Nathan was like, what do you mean by he has not yet offered up his blood? And I said, when Jesus died, the Bible says that he also ascended into heaven. So before he came down, when he was eating with them and sharing fish and teaching them about the kingdom for 40 days, he had gone up to heaven before then. And the Bible says he presented his blood before the father and his blood was accepted. Now that blood was accepted by God because he had fulfilled all the obligations to determine that he could be the savior. He that knew no sin was made sin. He went into hell. He defeated Satan. He collected the keys to life and death from him. He came out of the grave. He rescued his brothers. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them that were in the bosom of Abraham. So everybody, he brought them out, you know, and also he had done that at the next part was for him to go into heaven to present the blood because every high priest must present the blood at the altar. So he needed to present the blood because he was the sacrifice. So he presented it before the father and the, the, the blood had to be accepted by God. Until then, could he come back? And they walk through the wall and they say to them, peace be with you and sit down with them, eat with them and, you know, all of that. Now, the blood that was accepted was accepted in heaven, but the blood that dripped on the earth, which is the same 
It's his blood. It's the blood of Jesus. Also started to get the same record of the blood that was accepted in heaven. So the blood that fell to the earth also communicated to the earth that from now on, this one has become the highest order of operation. Every single thing that Jesus possessed was in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus bears record to his life on earth, bears record to his sinlessness, bears record to his death, bears record to his destruction of the kingdom of darkness, bears record to his ascension, bears record to the fact that he was accepted by God. The blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus in itself is an entire legal package. That when you have the blood of Jesus, it's like having the best attorney in the heavens. It's like having the best attorney in every kind of spiritual well. So that no matter where you are called into, the blood pleads the case of liberation for you. And you need to understand what I'm talking about. So the potency of the blood is dependent on whose blood it is. There were many men that died that the Bible never recorded that their blood was calling out. So this is why when people get married, it is important for, this is why in the original plan and the original order of God, a woman was to get married as a virgin. Because the moment the hymen is broken and blood is spilled, it is a speaking that she now belongs to this person. So this is the problem where we have soul ties and fragmented soul syndrome comes in. Where people have cut a covenant with some rascally guy that if you see today, they even, if people call your name, Jumaima, you say, who is, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Because your life has journeyed past the thing that you thought you would die for 15 years ago. But the problem is, you then begin to see attributes of his life still playing out in your life. Because you never for once intentionally repented for having sexual with the person and for allowing the person be the one that you cut the first blood covenant with and breaking it and saying by the blood of Jesus and by the forgiveness that I have in the blood I decree that there is a new voice of speaking between me and you the, the speaking between you and I or the agreement between you and I is no longer that I am one with you I decree that from today all that I am to you is but a sister and you are but a brother I break that connection I declare that my life is no longer tied to your life these are things that you have to intentionally do because remember what I taught you people, when you become one with a person, you are not just one with the person, you are one with their altar, you are one with their struggles, you are one with their fears, you are one with their brokenness, you are one with their shame. So there are many people who are existing today that are like 50 people in one because of the amount of people you have got a covenant. Are we still together? So if the blood owner is eternal, then it is an eternal blood blood in itself if the blood giver is divine then it is divine blood so this is why jesus is the one with the highest highest you know order and the highest power in all of the heavens now the bible says the life of a thing is in its blood if i could put up the scripture please the life of a thing is in its blood so that is to tell you that the moment blood is transferred I think from the father to the child, automatically what is being transferred to you is a setting of life. 
And you need to understand what I'm talking about. I think if there's a doctor here, please correct me. I think medically, life comes from the father, or I don't know if I'm wrong or if it's both. But the moment life is transferred to a child, what is being transferred is life. First John 5, 7 to 8, it says, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The no, 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 this is not a scripture. For the life of a thing is in the blood. That's the scripture I'm looking for. That's scripture I'm looking for. The life of a thing is in the blood. So um, you then begin to realize that what is transferred to the child is actually a life. Okay. Now, so the blood is the carrier of the genetic makeup. Um, sorry, where is that? Leviticus 7 verse 11. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Thank you very much for the scripture. So blood is a carrier of genetic makeup. Now, why are we teaching this? Because we are builders, and this is a builder masterclass. And you are learning how to build by the blood. So if the blood of Jesus is a physical entity, how come it survived being carried into the heavens and offered up to God? You need to understand that the blood of Jesus in itself is actually presence. So every time you say the blood of Jesus, what you are calling for is a dimension of Christ. Some days ago, I was speaking to you about different dimensions of Jesus. The blood is but one. And I told you that Jesus is not one man. That Jesus is an entire array of multiple possibilities, multiple expressions, and multiple directions. So that we may be able to comprehend, comprehend Christ and even receive him. That's why he came in the form of a man. One of the reasons why he came in the form of a man. But there are many reasons why. But the thing about Jesus is that he's multiple things. So even his blood is an expression of him. The blood is potent to wage war in heavenly realms. His blood, even though it was shed, is still potent for over 2,000 years. Why? Because the blood is a spiritual entity. It does not die. Blood never dies. It has a voice. It speaks. It bears record. It is consistent. So the blood is part of heaven's legal system. And the blood has a place in the course of heaven. So it speaks in time. Now, in time past, blood was used as a ritualistic, what they call it, elixir, E-L-I-X-I-R. It was used as a ritualistic elixir. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Because of the life force within blood, and it's life-giving properties in the human body. So when you find satanic altars, you will never find an altar where there is no blood. Impossible. Because an altar without the blood is a dead altar. So when, so blood is not, no, it's not subjected to time. Not at all. Not at all. It would take a higher order to stop the workings of blood. So this is why it is possible for things like our visit the iniquity upon the third and even onto the fourth generation. 
Not because God is just going to, you understand, suffer or, you know, condemn somebody for something they had nothing to do with. No, 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 no. It is actually because of the transference. I need to remember, I because like I said, I didn't do a reset, but I need to remember something medically um, about what changes every fourth generation in the bloodline. There's something like that about the fourth generation and how whether cells, the regeneration or something or characteristics, there's something after the, the fourth generation. So that when God began to say, and I will visit it up even to the third and the fourth generation, there's a reason why. Because after the fourth generation, there is a change, I think, of the genetic markers or something like that. So blood in itself, to answer your question, is not necessarily subjected to time because it is consistently alive. As long as it is passed down to another or it is spilled, it is alive, it's speaking. Now, the, the revelation um, is clear to people of ancient times. People of ancient times understood it. Do you understand? Um, blood was believed to emit a portion of divine energy and was considered as you know, the individual spirit of a life. You understand? So in those times, that was what they believed in ancient times. Now, sheep's blood constituted the bond of um, the marriage covenant among early civilizations. So part of what they did in early civilizations when they were getting married was that they used sheep blood to, um, to determine, to say, oh, you know, now they are married and they'll, they'll spill the blood of a sheep. So consequently, for a marriage to become blessed and successfully consummated, its sacrificial blood had to be shed. So this is why in those days, even in royal courts and royal houses, they will never agree. Okay. In royal houses, um, they would never agree that the people were married, fully married, if they never consummated a marriage. You get what I'm talking about? So, because why? As far as we're concerned, the marriage was between a virgin girl and um, and the man that she was getting married to. And they expected the spilling of the blood. Some cultures would say, you know, show us the bed sheets, you know, as a sign of the blood. And for them, that was the sign of legal marriage because they understood. Some of these cultures didn't have God, our father Elohim, to teach them. Some of them had falling demons. But you need to understand that Satan was part of heaven's civilization. So Satan understands the entire workings of heaven civilization. So he, even in the teaching of people, what he just does is that he just perverts it with one wrong information. Now, many religions, especially Baal and Ishtar cults, you know, there's Ishtar, you know, there's Baal. So they choose like bull's bloods for, you know, the purpose of ascribing um, success in, in the marriage. You know, they so they use bull's blood. They may tell the men to drink the blood of bull or bathe in the blood of bull. And they will say that it was for virility, virility for the men. So without sacrifice, it was feared that the marriage would be childless. This was what um, people like Baal worshippers believed. So the chief reasons for blood was ascribed to its magical powers. So they'll say the man is drenched in the blood of a bull. You know, he was baptized in the magical powers of the bull, which represented virility, strength, fertility. Do you get what I'm saying? So as a fertility liquid, the blood of human sacrifices were considered the highest and the most precious. That is why when people want to occupy offices, 
or they want to have territorial authority. People in the occult, part of what they ask them to do is to sacrifice the blood of a child. You get what I'm saying? So, um, so things like sun deities, you know, it was understood were best appeased and they are of their wrath, you know, um, when they were giving blood, the blood of humans. So the sun deities usually requested the blood of humans. Now, if you remember, you go back to the book of Kings. You remember when Elijah, I love that guy so much, when he was dealing with the prophet Baal. After he had gone and dealt with Baal, then he came and told them, let us do competition. And then they started, he said, pour water upon the altar. Let us begin to call and call on your God. I call on my God. They were calling on Baal. They were calling on Baal. Now the Bible says that when it was 12 o'clock, when it was noonday, when the sun was at its highest, what did the, the priest of Baal begin to do? The Bible says they were crying out louder. And the next day they began to cut themselves. Why? Because they understood that part of what he accepted or the highest order that Baal will have to respond to was their blood. Was their blood. So that is why they began to cut themselves at that time, saying, now the sun is at its highest, mixed with our blood to the God, there's no way he will not answer. Still, nothing happened. So blood mingled with anything symbolized the formation of a family bond for brotherhood. So blood is as a seal, and it marks a covenant between God and humanity. Now, this was exactly what Jesus' blood accomplished, and it released all of God's power and beneficial attributes upon us. So Jesus shed his blood as God, and he transferred all of this to us in our humanity. So now, when you begin to speak about the blood of sprinkling, sprinkled blood then signifies peace, appeasement, purification, atonement. Now, if you look at Leviticus 17, 11, it speaks about that a little. Um, so why am I saying this to you as a builder? You then begin to realize that as a builder, it is impossible for you to establish anything until you know the record of where you are building. Um, the people you are building with and the resources by which you are building. Because where you are building, every land, every territory has got a speaking. And, you know, especially all of us, even in nations and in regions, I wanted to say, especially those in Africa, but I paused for a minute because I will get to Africa. But now just generally across the world, many of the founding fathers of many nations Many of them were not necessarily Christians. Some of them were Freemasons. Some of them were all kinds of occults. Many of these people made sacrifices and dedication to satanic altars. This is why when you go into territories, you begin to see certain things at play and having free reign of manifestation. Why? Because of the blood that is speaking in the foundation of those areas. So even in Africa, there are people who build houses. So you are buying a house to live in. And underneath that house, people have put all kinds of things, cows. This was for people who buried babies underneath their houses. So there are all kinds of things in territories and in areas that many of us in our ignorance, we have no idea. 
This is why it becomes very, very important as a builder to be able to take the strength of the blood of Jesus and impute it into everything that you have done. Now, how do you work with the blood of Jesus? It is not by shouting the blood of Jesus. The blood. No, that's not how you work with the blood. You have to go back and see everything that the blood signifies. What is the significance of the blood? So we know that number one, the blood um, signifies forgiveness of sins. We know that number, number two, the blood speaks about defeat of Satan because it bears record. Sorry, to so how Satan was defeated. Number three, we know that the blood speaks about judgment, a judge seen on the cross. We know that the blood also speaks about mercy. It is in the shedding of his blood, in the mercy of God, that he was able to bring out Abraham and all of us exactly. Number five, we know that the blood speaks for atonement. Atonement for sins. You understand what I'm talking about? So there are so many things. The blood also is a witness or a defense. Or defense in the realm of the spirit. The blood, thank you very much, also speaks about redemption. So the blood also speaks about brotherhood or family connections. And we're talking about the blood of Jesus right now. So it's speaking about brotherhood and family corrections. Number nine, we know that the blood also speaks about our inheritance in God. It is through the blood that we have inheritance. Um, number 10, I thought we had spoken about reconciliation, but let's put it there. The blood also speaks about reconciliation. We know that number 11, the blood of Jesus also speaks about healing. Because his blood was shed and he was beaten for our transgressions. The chastisement um, that brought us peace was laid upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Do you understand? So, healing. Number, number 12, the blood also speaks about peace. Do you understand? The blood, through the blood of Jesus, peace has come upon us. I'm going to stop at 12. I love the number 12. 12 represents the apostolic, 12 represents is a governmental number. So let's just stop at 12. There's so many things we can, we can say. Three was judgment. Judgment against the kingdom of darkness, judgment against hell. Now, as a builder, if you're going to build by the blood, you have to know these 12 things. And I it's the kind of thing that I would ask you to um, write in your house. Number one, okay, forgiveness. Can I just, let me, let me go over it again. So Thank you, Steph. Thank you. So forgiveness, defeat of, the, of hell, judgment, mercy, atonement, um, witness or def slash defense. Number seven, redemption, um, brotherhood, um, inheritance, reconciliation, healing, and peace. So these are the 12 things that we mentioned. Now, when you are building by the blood, you have to understand that everything that is built has got a foundation. Everything has got a foundation. Now, the kind of foundation that you lay is dependent on the kind of building you're trying to raise and even the nature of the land that you're building on. So you cannot say, you know what, I don't care the way I'll build foundation in America is the way I'm going to build foundation in Nigeria. You can't. In Nigeria, we are using brick, we're using um, cement, you know, we use all kinds of strong, strong things. Our houses in Nigeria is not like your houses. So if I hit, 
this wall, you can't really hear it. But if you hit a wall in America, you are hearing the sound of the wood. We don't build like that. Our walls, our houses are solid. Well, maybe because we know the kind of problems we have. Our houses are solid. Now, the kind of foundation you need to carry this kind of house, it's not the kind of foundation you need to carry the kind of houses in the United States or in many nations where they build with wood. And so you then realize that as a builder, the kind of work, the foundational work that you are going to do in a thing that you are starting, in a thing that you are instituting, in a thing that you are raising, the foundational work is highly dependent on what you are trying to raise and where you are raising it. There are some families where your fathers and your mothers have done all the work that you need. They've labored, they've prayed, they've, they've done restitution on your behalf, you know, and all kinds of things. So the foundation of your life is already clean and clear and ready to build. For some of you, all you need to do is just to be intentional about partnering with the good work that your parents or your grandparents have done and that you're good. But for some people, we don't have that. Some people don't have that. Some people actually need to do some major foundational work for you to be able to establish anything at all. If somebody two generations ago asked for wealth and covenanted the poverty of three generations as the reward for the wealth, don't think that you're going to get wealth by hard work. Don't think that you will remain wealthy by hard work. The way you're going to remain wealthy is number one, how you build your foundation in Christ. And then number two, consistently adhering to the pillars of the blood of Jesus, the pillars of your faith. Because there is something about salvation and there's something about being saved. So you are saved by the blood, you enter into the kingdom of God. But the Bible consistently at different parts in the New Testament talks about we being saved. So there is a consistent increase of the manner of liberty that you are entering into with each day. So this is why you lay the foundation, but you have to consistently hold on to the standards of the blood, checking day in and night to make sure that you are creating a new pattern in your bloodline. You see, I saw somebody today speaking on a particular video and condemning something that somebody taught. And I said, listen, there is something called spiritual intelligence. And that's one thing that many Christians don't have. I have come to see. Many Christians read the Bible, but do not even settle down to take it word for word for word to understand what it means. So for, for example, I said, there are three things that bear witness here on earth. Your word witness should jump out, of, out to you. And then you should go back and take your dictionary and say, who is a witness? And then write out all the things about a witness. Okay, what, how, what, how does the witnessing process go? How do they in the legal system determine who is qualified to be a witness? You will study witness. Then when you study the entire thing on witness, then you will now sit back and say, wow, so this is what the blood is. You then begin to understand that for everywhere your blood was spilled, when you were a child, your mother, in trying to save you from a sickness that they said will kill you, took you to some houses of some people and they caught you and they put your blood there, put your blood there. Since you got saved, you have never one day gone to remove yourself from those altars in the realm of the spirit. Meanwhile, the Bible says the blood is a witness. So that means there's a portion of your blood that is still witnessing in the realm of the spirit that you owe one 
jasmine, one wooden one in Ijebuode something. So in your salvation, what having the Holy Spirit is supposed what did Jesus said? I will send you the Holy Spirit. He will reveal to you all things. So the Holy Ghost is a revealer. He will not call it revealed if it is obvious to the normal eye. So that means there are layers and layers of things that we are blinded to and we do not easily understand by our human nature. So the power of the Holy Ghost comes to unveil to us the things that are not easily deciphered by the human eye. So the Holy Spirit would never have had to come if there was nothing to be revealed. Now, so it is in the revealing of the Holy Ghost then we have spiritual intelligence to then know what has to be dealt with and what has to, and what we already have in the blood of Jesus. So there's no need saying, oh, you know, you know, we already have the blood. The blood takes care of all things. We already have the blood. It's like somebody saying, you know, I have one million naira. I cannot be hungry. How can a person that has a million naira not be hungry? If I have a million naira, then hunger is not my portion. Keep saying it and see if hunger will not kill you there. Why will hunger kill you? Because you are just talking about the million that you have, million naira you have, but you are not appropriating it into the buying and selling process that necessitates you to get food to feed your body. That's what many Christians do. So we talk about we have the blood. Therefore, now if any man being Christ is a new creation, all things are passed away, and all things have become new. What are the old things that passed away? What are the things that have become new? And how do you walk in the newness? Do you still have a mindset of the old? Are you still bound to the old habits? Are you still bound to the old rituals? Are you still bound to the old cultures? Do you understand the configuration of the altar that holds the new, bears the new, births the new? If you don't understand these things, you would have it available to you, but never ever get the benefit of it. So the distance between a saved man that is yet living in bondage and a saved man that is walking in the fullness of the liberty of Christ, the distance between the two is spiritual intelligence. Spiritual intelligence. But you never get intelligent in this life except you allow yourself to get educated. Education. So many of us have been educated on the wayside of spirituality. You just mistakenly picked up a, a, a knowledge. One day you went to church, a pastor said something mm, powerful. You don't have consistent learning process, intentional growth process, where you are marking your growth and your increase in revelation, and you are marking it by victory. Victory upon victory upon victory. Marking it. So, Spiritual intelligence is what is missing. But these are the things that the blood comes to offer. So as a builder that is about to build, so the first thing is forgiveness. What exactly are you trying to do? If you go to John Daniel chapter 10, and you see John Daniel in, I think, in 9 and 10, praying about the things in his father's house. Let us go there real quickly. The book of Daniel. Are we all still together? It's like this class has left me. 
Ipsolus start from Daniel 9. Okay, you are here. All right. So you go to Daniel 9. It says, in the first year of Darius. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. It says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books. Remember, that's why I always tell you about scriptures, that understanding comes by reason of the books. So there are so many things you will never understand until you take the time to read the Bible. It says, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So Daniel was reading the books of Jeremiah the prophets and how Jeremiah had prophesied that the children of, um, of Israel, of Judah and Jerusalem, were going to experience 70 years in, the desol in desolation. So he saw that, wow, it is 70 years. Then he started to calculate from when they came into Babylon to where they were. And he realized, come on, the day of our liberty is here. The day of my deliverance is here. The day of my release is here. The day of the breaking of the chains of my children is here. The day of prosperity is here. 2024 is my year. Remember what I said to you about that dream that I had when the man was going around and saying in all the nations, go to war, go and fight. 2024 is the year to go to war. We have read it in the stars. So that's what the dark demonic kingdom is doing. They are reading, they are peeping, they are studying to determine what time it is to go to war and to fight. Where we are there, we're just moving anyhow. Now, it says um, the number of years where for the word of the Lord um, came to Jeremiah, blah, 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 verse 3, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication and fasting. That is another day. Maybe Pastor Stephanie will teach that, the different, the different kinds of prayer. So he said by prayer, by supplication. We know there's prayer, there's supplication, there's intercession, there's all kinds of prayer. Now it says um, fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Remember what I told you guys I, in that video that I played, I said there are some things you want to be delivered from. You, 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 you cannot just pray. You have to fast. You have to fast. And I realized that, I don't know, maybe over these years, I probably, I'm sure I've done a class on fasting before, but I've taught you before on food. And I don't know if I taught about the gate of food and how gates, our food is a gate in the spirit realm and it opens the door to the souls of men. You know, so when God begins to you shut the gate of food, what he's doing is that he's controlling your soulish emotions. He's controlling your broken humanity. You get what I'm talking about? So that you can make accurate spiritual decisions. Now, it says um, by fasting and with sackcloth and ashes. He says, I mean, we, we don't wear sackcloth and ashes. Now we still dress up, do coily hair, lipstick and all of that. But for us, it's also a symbolism of the manner of our presentation during the time of a fast. So you cannot say you're fasting and you're still showing up in clubs. You cannot say you're fasting and you're spending all your time binge watching, you know, 14 series of a, of a you know, like, no, sackcloth and ashes speaks about the outward appearance, you know, that whole thing of piety. And it is obvious that you are constraining yourself for a season and giving up the presentation of beauty and glam so that you might say something that is of more value to you. Now, in verse four, it says, I prayed unto the Lord my God and I made my confession. 
very important, mark that word confession. He says, I made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenants and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. He says, I first of all confessed that God, we have sinned, we have made a mistake, we have transgressed against you, we have not been the kind of people we're supposed to be. Then he began to speak about God and that God is a keeper of covenants and mercy, but he does it to those that love him and to those that keep his commandments. He says, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from the, thy precepts and from thy judgment. Neither have we hearkened unto the, thy servants, the prophets, we speak in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, to the people of the land. Where was Daniel? He was in Babylon. But Daniel in Babylon was speaking about the things that they did 70 years before, 80 years, 90 years. And he probably was just a child back then. Maybe even the years he wasn't born. He says, we have sinned. We didn't listen to the prophets you sent to us. We didn't listen to the words you gave to our kings and to our princes and to our fathers and to all the people of the land. Oh Lord, righteousness belongeth to thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. So basically what he was saying was that we are in so much confusion. We are not able to be the people we are supposed to be. Our identity is corrupted. Why? Because we did not position ourselves according to the order of your will, listening to you when we're supposed to. He says, confusion of faces as all, as, as uh, faces as this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all countries, whither thou hast given them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. Oh Lord, to us belongeth confusion of faces once again. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belongeth mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servant, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, not even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against thee. And he that confirmed his word, which he spake against us and against our judges that judge us by bringing upon us great evil, for under the whole heaven had not been as hath yet been done upon Jerusalem, as it is written in the law of Moses. All this evil is come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore had the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, and he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. So here is he. Yes, you are correct, Modupe. This is one man tracing and going on and on and on and on. This is a prayer that he was praying on. So for some of us, you, you, when you want to pray these prayers to break things, you're just like, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I bless you. No, 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 no. The Bible says he began by confessing. What did he confess? 
God, I have transgressed. God, I have taken intercession for granted. God, I did not allow myself to face the truth about what was required of me. God, I have been an idolater. God, even my father has been an idolater. My mother has been this. God, there are seasons where we did not do the, the, the father. There are levels we should have lived up to. Father, I recognize the days that you were calling on me and I did not answer. My God, my prayer. Then he began to speak, articulate clearly. There is no way you'll be praying this prayer truthfully for yourself and truthfully for the affairs of your life and things in your lineage that you will not see break down crying. Because when the spirit of God begins to show you the different, different bricks and blocks that make up your life and how all of these things have been disjointed through time, it has the capacity to break a man. The Bible says that Daniel went on and on and on and on. You know, he says, incline thy ear unto thy servant, O God. You know, do not turn your face away from me, for because of this desolation we have suffered. Forgive us, O Lord. I and my people, we have sinned. Verse 20 says, and whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication, before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my, my God. He says, yeah, whilst I was speaking in the prayer, even the man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision as at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me upon the, the upon about that time of the evening oblation. So it was while he was in this place of prayer that he began to have angelic visitations. He began to have angelic visitations. There are some prayers you start to touch on. Because remember, I'm talking about being a builder, building by the blood. There are some prayers of reconfiguration, reinstitution, re restoration, realignment that is going to require angelic movement in the heavenly realms. So angelic visitations, not just for, oh, I saw an angel, nice, 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 no. Angelic visitations many times is a sign that there's major movement going on around you in the realm of the spirit. It is a sign that there's something that is being fought on your behalf that you need supernatural divine intervention. So here is Daniel doing all of this. What is he trying to do? He's trying to rebuild the nation of Israel because they have to go back to Jerusalem. They have to go back to their land. But they were not just going to walk away because the 70 years had come. They had to go into repentance for all their days of not understanding or adhering to what the Lord was saying through his prophets, through his servants, through his kings. So now when you are building by the blood, one of the first things you want to do is ask for forgiveness. It could be forgiveness even in terms of how you mismanaged the former wealth that God gave to you. There are some people that God gave prosperity and you mismanaged it. And you've been crying out to God for restoration and nothing has happened. Because what you don't understand is the way the spirit realm works. Everything that God gives to you is a trust. And the, if you are giving, if you are faithful with little, much will be given to you. But if you despise the little, even that which you have will be taken away from you. So when you see that you have fallen into a legal condemnation as such, you don't get that thing back from God by just saying, oh God, help me, bless me again. No, there's a place for repentance. There's a place for addressing what it is that was broken within you and made it hard for you to spend the money properly. Perhaps you have to go back and say, God, I recognize 
that there is a need on the inside of me to prove to people that I am great, I am big, I have arrived. I'm not as poor as they thought they are. And because of that, I, I mismanaged the resources you gave to me that I was meant to use to build up your kingdom. I used it to build up a name for myself. Remember what I told you before yesterday from the principle of the Tower of Babel, how these guys at the foundation of their lives was the fear that they'll be scattered across the earth. And that foundational fear was what made them say, let us build a name for ourselves. So every time you see a person trying to build a name for themselves or trying to become something, know that there's a foundational fear behind it. A fear of not being seen, not being heard, not being recognized, not, not being important, not being on the top anything. Fear. So they said, come, let us make, build a star and let us make a name for ourselves. So, um, so you have to begin to ask for forgiveness. The second thing is, we spoke about judgment, how the blood speaks of judgment. Until you have actually said, Lord, these are the things that I know, because Daniel understood by the books. So there are some of us that, like I keep saying, we don't have history. We don't ask questions. We don't know what exactly we're fighting. And I found that, that today's Christians believe that if you can ignore a thing, it's going to go away. That's the way many Christians act. Let me just ignore it long enough and then it will stop being there. But ignoring the foundational generational issues in your roots does not make it go away. It does not. It does not make it go away. So you have to address it. You have to ask God for mercy and then you have to begin to judge. It could even be a particular area you're about to engage in. It could be a particular area in business, a particular area in life. You understand? There are many things around that area. Before you go in there, you begin to ask for mercy. Lord, I'm about to enter politics in social so states. I know that politics here is dirty. I know that there are things that people are required to do. God, I am pleading for your mercy that is embedded in the blood of Jesus. I am asking, let mercy come and be a garment that is put upon me. Let mercy be a robe that covers my life. As I journey forward into this arena, I declare that every time that they see me in the spirit realm, they see me clothed in the robe of mercy. They see me carried her by the carriage of mercy in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I decree and I declare that your judgment covers me, O oh God, that to everyone who dares to touch me, Father, in this terrain, I declare that I let the judgment of God speak against them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I just receive, oh God, the fact that I have been reconciled unto Christ through the blood. I decree and I declare that my business is reconciled. I declare that the things that I build with my hand are reconciled. I am rebuilding reconciled businesses, businesses that Jesus will receive, businesses that Jesus will use, businesses that Jesus will, uh, will acknowledge even in the age to come in the name of Jesus. This is how you plead the blood. You first have to know every law that is within the blood. And then you can plead it. If you don't know what is embedded in the blood, you cannot use the blood as a legal, legal tool in the realm of the spirit. I hope somebody can hear me. So you then begin to see where it says that the life of a thief is in the blood for the cleansing of the soul is by the blood. You then begin to realize that blood sacrifices affect the state and the condition of the soul. 
This is why when people sleep with people early on in life and they cut a blood covenant with them, it affects their soul. Do you understand? It affects their soul. Um, can somebody open Romans 3 verse 25 for me? Put up the scripture. In Romans 3 verse 25, you, you see where it speaks about the blood being for the propitiation of our sins. So when you, Romans 3.25, let me just wait for someone to open it quickly. Hello, class. Don't leave me now. Yes, it says, whom God has sent forth whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. He says, let me read NLC. He says, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back, when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Now, when you think about the word propitiation um, in itself, it is a word whose connotation includes good fortune, change of destiny, prosperity. Good fortune, change of destiny and prosperity. That's what that word, when it says he has been given as a propitiation for our sins, you know, salvation says remission for sins. What it is actually speaking about, what it represents is um, good fortune, change of destiny and prosperity. So because of God having made peace with his creation through the blood of Jesus. This is what the blood of Jesus does for us. So the blood of Jesus Christ qualifies us to partake um, of God's inheritance because the blood speaks about the bloodline, the genealogy. So by reason of being imputed within the blood of Jesus, we now become partakers of what is in the genealogy of Jesus. You then begin to see that, um, you know, even just speaking about um, bloodline, this is why in many people, when they take over a throne or they become kings and stuff like that, they tend to kill other people who are princes so that they are not able to come for their throne because they understand that as long as there's a living person that is in the bloodline of the throne, the person is automatically a threat. Even if it's a two-year-old baby or a 70-year-old man, he automatically becomes a threat to the sitting king. As long as the king now knows that there's rebellion set in their heart. In fact, there have been situations where kings have killed their own children because the children like Absalom tried to take away the throne from, the fa from their fathers, even when their fathers were alive. And the children had people that rallied behind them because of what? Blood. So the blood also is another place where you can see possible overtaking happening. So people have used it in the spirit realm to try to take what belongs to others that bear the same blood with them. So here is Esau and Jacob. And within between both of them, the inheritance could have come to one of the sons. Now, justifiably, it should have been Esau. 
But Jacob was the one that understood more than Esau what the, what the blessing was about. And his mother heard. So before Esau could come, Jacob had gone and killed the blessing. It wasn't a stranger that took it from Esau. The reason why, even though Isaac thought he was blessing Esau, but it was Jacob he was blessing, the reason why it could happen is because Jacob understood the power of the blessing. And also, it was already instituted that it was in the blood of Isaac, who came from Abraham, that the blessing will be transferred to. So sometimes overtaking exchange and manipulation happens in the bloodline. This is when people are trying to make money in ritual altars. They will tell them, go and bring maybe your sister or your mother or your daughter or your son. Because what are they doing? They are adding life to your life. And they are adding, it's a legal thing. They are adding the life of someone on your legal timeline to your life. And all the blessings that should have been accrued onto that person, they are trying to make sure it is a, 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 a whatever onto you. So these are part of the things that we see about the blood. So as a builder, these are things you should be careful about. There are certain places that certain things are speaking in those areas. You have to then bring the blood of Jesus intentionally to speak. There are some industries who tell you if you don't give certain amount of money, you will never make it here. Your contracts will never go through. Nothing will ever happen. In such areas, what you need is a higher law, the blood. Of course, the blood also speaks about covenants. You understand? Of course, I've talked to people about covenants before. Covenant speaks about agreements, accord, you know, or contracts in between two parties. And the reason why covenants are established is that um, the greater one is the one forging the union to achieve a common goal that fortifies the lesser one's quality of existence. So when you saw God make a covenant, it was because God was trying to upgrade and enhance the life of the people that he made the covenant with, which is us, humanity. So in covenants, usually blood agreements, blood covenants, is the agreement that usually exists between a deity and his or covenant people. So the custom of blood covenant, it goes as far back as Adam's fall, when God covered Adam and Eve with um, spiritual and natural, and they cover their spiritual and their natural nakedness. Because the Bible says that when they saw they were naked, they plowed fig leaves and they used the leaves to cover themselves. But what did God do instead? God, he took an animal and he killed it. He spilled the blood of the animal because God understood that they had fallen and so they had become exposed and naked before it was the glory of God that used to clothe them so they didn't need physical clothes. But now that they had become naked, it was blood that was to speak as a covering for their sins so that at least he could still engage with them. So he took the animal, he killed it, and then he used the skin of the animal to cover them. So he covered both their spiritual nakedness and he also covered their physical nakedness. So blood is the highest acceptable sacrifice because in the blood is the spirit of life. In the blood is spirit of life. So without blood, our clay vessels cease to function. 
and they just return to the dust. So it is blood that keeps us and enables functioning within our vessels. So that's why the essence of life is in the blood. The only visible element of a human being that transcends time and space is the blood. And there is no part of your body that is untouched by your blood. So whether it's your tissue or your bone or your every, so that's why blood communicates with every part of the body. So the blood then serves as the body's intelligence and alert system. That's why when you want to finish a person, put poison in their blood and watch them die within one minute. When you want to destroy an entire system, put blood poison in the blood. So what, what about blood transfusion? Listen, I know that there's, I know what you're asking me, but I want you to ask me what you're asking me because there's so much in there. So there are some, some sects that don't believe in blood transfusion because they will tell you, oh, the life of a thing is in the blood, taking the blood of another person, putting the person's life on your inside. Yeah, 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 all those things exist. But at the end of the day, we are human beings living in the human world and we have the blood of Jesus available to us. So at the end of the day, and when I say blood, I'm not just, I'm not just speaking about the, the physical blood matters, but the blood in terms of what it represents in the spirit realm, even matters the most. So don't get caught or get trapped in, oh, I took blood transfusion. So maybe now I took the blood of a murderer, I become a murderer myself. Can you plead the blood of Jesus over your entire system? Okay, um, yes, thank you for that gift. In, in Hebrew, everything, almost all the sacrifices, everything had to be cleaned by the blood because of what the blood represented. So the blood is um, your intelligence system and your alert system. That's why it was the blood that was alerting God and speaking from the earth because the blood has a voice, you know. Now, so as a builder, even when you are building marriage, listen out for the blood that is crying out of the houses of the people you are getting married to. There's nothing wrong. When you, when, before you get married, you are asking silly questions that do not pertain to life or godliness. Before you get married, you are asking us, so how do you like sex? What's your sex position? What's your business with person's favorite sex position before you marry the person? Are you having sex with them? You leave that question first and ask the person about their bloodline. Just what I'm saying, if it's a need, say sex is bare. What will it do for you if you the thing you are supposed to know you don't know? Do you understand? Do some mapping with them. Ask some critical questions. Do you get what I'm talking about? Ask some question, critical questions about you, their family line. You understand? Ask some critical questions about you know um, things that are hereditary. Ask critical questions about sicknesses and stuff like that in their lineage. All of these things are things that are going to help you in the long run to be a more fortified person and a more fortified builder. Um, so what does the 
infrastructure of the blood look like? Like I said to you, I'm just doing a, a quick, let us touch it quickly class uh, because it's not when I'm teaching it. I'm actually teaching this fully as a whole course for two weeks at luminary. So I'm just rushing through little, little things like here and there. So there is an entire infrastructure and a structure of the blood in the realm of the spirit, because the blood is the one that houses these 12 things that we just listed out. The blood is the one that enables and empowers, you know, deliverance. So that means within the structure of the blood, certain things are made possible. Warfare is made possible because if the blood is supposed to speak about your redemption, that means anytime a person is bound and the person begins to enter into the revelation of what the blood represents, and then the person begins to speak concerning what the blood represents and begins to ask for things like forgiveness, begins to ask that the Lord Jesus... Hello. Okay, I think I'm back. Fantastic. Sorry, guys, my network just went off for one second. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Um, so I was saying that yes, so within the I was talking about the um, infrastructure of the blood, you know, the, and I was talking about the structure and I'm saying that, so within that entire infrastructure, that's where things like warfare is made possible. You understand? That's where warfare can be done. Why? Because if the blood is for um, your restoration, your reconciliation and all of that, that means there are certain darknesses and captivities in your heart you have that the blood enables you to be broken out from. So for you, the way that it works, the way it works is that you have to know what the blood offers. And you need to go through scriptures back to back to understand the principles of the blood. And then it is within the revelation of the blood and then the appropriation of the blood in your life in the form of um, you know, asking for forgiveness and receiving the fullness of the blood. That's where the blood begins to go to war on your behalf. So it's not just in, I plead the blood. You don't know what you're pleading. So it's not going to work for you because even in the legal system, when you are pleading a thing, you have to know what that law is so that you may be able to respond, 
you know, when there's an when 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 the people you are pleading to, the legal system responds to, you have to be able to respond back. So you need to know what the law is about. So in the same way, you need to understand that the blood in itself is an, is an entire legal entity in the spirit realm. And you need to understand the entire constitution of it before you can get the things that it releases to you. So it is within that structure you have warfare. You know, it is within that structure that you have um, things like peace being released onto you. So all of these things are released and are pillars within the blood. Now, there's a governing structure of the blood. The governing structure of the blood simply means that, yes, all blood speaks, but the blood of Jesus speaks the loudest. All bloods have power, but the blood of Jesus is the most powerful. All blood can be used for covenant, but the covenant of the blood of Jesus is the most superior covenant. This is the governing structure of the blood. Part of the governing structure of the blood is that the blood was initially the blood of a man that was sinless, that was killed. So the blood bears witness to the fact that Jesus had no sin, but he took on the sins of the world. But it also bears witness to the fact that he did his time in hell. He went down. He defeated Satan and he collected the keys to life and death. So all of these things are within the governing structure of the blood. Within the governing structure of the blood is the fact that whether in principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, whether it be angels or demons, whatever it may be in any realm, all of them bow to the power of the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus is a representative of Jesus himself. So this is the government of the blood so that wherever the blood shows up, death no longer has power over you because the Bible speaks about how they put the blood on the doorpost of their houses and on their window pane. And when the angel of death came, it passed over those houses. So you cannot be a builder that is erected a structure that has never been dedicated or consecrated or labeled by the blood of Jesus. I don't care if you own a bank. I don't care if you own a fashion brand. It must be marked by the blood. So I said to you, for you to do such a thing, to do such a marking, you have to recognize everything that the blood represents and speak it into the business. There are some times when you take communion, you take communion for the sake of the restoration of the things you have built. And as you are breaking that bread and as you are drinking that wine, you are saying that myself and everything that belongs to me and everything that is connected to me is immersed and soaked and dripped in the blood of Jesus, in the reality of the blood. Now, there is an administration of the blood. It is the Holy Spirit that administrates the work of the blood of Jesus, the Holy Ghost. He's the chief administrator of all entities that come from the throne of God. So within the administration of the blood, you find the Holy Spirit. So as you begin to understand the power of the blood, and as you begin to receive everything that the blood has to offer, as it is the Holy Ghost that will begin to guide you to say, now let us appropriate it in this area. Now let us use it to deal with this. Now let us, so you cannot effectively walk in the power of the blood without embracing the spirit of administration, which is the Holy Ghost. So it is the Holy Ghost that opens the eyes of men to begin to understand the power of spiritual entities such as the blood of Jesus. Such as the blood of Jesus. So there is a culture of the blood. There's a culture of the blood. Part of the culture of the blood is the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. It's a blood culture. There must always, always, always be food involved where a covenant is made. 
So Jesus says, do this as often and uh, do this as often as you can. When you do it, remember me. So part of the culture of establishing the blood in your life and the power of the blood in your lineage is that you break bread. So it is not enough for when you are attacked at night. That's when you start shouting, blood of Jesus. But do you understand the power in the blood of Jesus? Do you understand how the blood of Jesus works? Do you know that in the breaking of bread is part of the culture of the blood? It's part of the culture of the blood. Part of the culture of the blood is that you don't willingly sin because you understand that the blood that is a covering in your life was given for the sins of men. So part of the culture is that when you bear this pot of blood in your hand as a witness of the life of your master, you cannot willingly sin. You cannot intentionally transgress against God. Part of the blood culture is that we stand holy before the Lord. So all of these things put together are ways in which as a builder, you are then able to establish the things that God has told you. Now, just even talking about your bloodline, you then begin to see that, like I said, there are also blessings in the bloodline. Because every time people think about the bloodline, they are thinking only about the curses. They're not thinking about the blessings. Every time God blessed people, he locked it into their bloodline. He locked it into their bloodline. So we have the bloodline of Jesus flowing through our veins. And then we have our natural human bloodline. We have to then intentionally superimpose the entire context of Christ's blood over the physical bloodline. This is how men attain freedom. This is how men walk in liberty. So as a builder, understanding the bloodline, understanding the workings of the blood, understanding the culture of the blood, understanding the structure of the blood, these are the ways that you secure the things that God is calling you to build. Praise God. Okay, fantastic. All right, I'm going to stop here for today. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you and we thank you for the blood of your son. We thank you because the blood of Jesus that is speaking over us is a voice of truth, is a voice of restoration. It is a voice of peace. It is a voice that breaks down the voices of other deities and powers. It is a voice of liberation. It is a voice of consecration. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask that even now, O oh God, if there be anyone on this call that has struggled, anyone on this call that has been in pain, anyone on this call that has been held captive by the, by the strategies of hell, Father, we begin to decree that let everything that was given to us by reason of the blood, let it be appropriated into the life of such a person now in the name of Jesus. 
God, even as we walk in the revelation of the things that your blood has come to do in us for us, oh God, we decree and we declare that the blood of Jesus is touching every area, every corner of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. We decree and we declare that the blood of Jesus is causing a washing from the crown of our heads to the soles of our feet in the mighty name of Jesus. We decree and we declare that the blood of Jesus is entering into our own blood and into our bloodline and it is causing an interruption of every satanic agenda in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, whether it be altars from the past or, or patterns or cycles, oh God, that were released, oh God, into my life, through my bloodline, Father, whether it be for my father's side or for my mother's side, Lord, I declare that the blood of Jesus is interrupting demonic satanic cycles in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree and I declare, I am living, we are living under the freedom and the liberty of the blood. We declare, oh God, that the businesses that we built, they are consecrated, oh God, they are separated the same way that when the blood was put on the doorpost, that everything that belonged to the children of Israel was preserved. I decree and I declare that over my ministry, the blood of Jesus is a marker. Over my house, the blood of Jesus is a marker. Over my spirit, the blood of Jesus is a marker, covering me, oh God, separating me oh God, from the schemes and the orchestrations of hell in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree and I declare that the blood of Jesus is a garment that I wear. I decree and I declare that whenever I am mentioned in the realm of the spirit, Father, I'm answered, oh God, or I answer by the blood in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for every single thing that is available unto us and unto our children. Father, because every time you make covenants with people, oh God, you give it to them and you give it to their children also. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, we decree, oh God, upon every builder on this call that what you have released upon us today is unto us and unto our children in the name of Jesus. If Daniel in Daniel 9 could repent on behalf of his father and his father's fathers, oh God, that means by reason of our prayer and moving through the blood, we are able to enter into fourth generation, third, seven generations for us. Right now, by the power of the blood of Jesus, we enter, oh God, into our bloodlines and we begin to decree that everything that was instituted in the past, oh God, that did not glorify you in our lineages, Father. We begin to reinstitute it and reorganize them by the blood of Jesus. We decree and we declare, oh God, that we are realigned, we are reset, we are reordered by the blood of Jesus. Shambroduske ipanda da clear no soplehida. Suve lacrahando sube liki baradosi de lema. Shangre ito vegedila da baruseti la branda la keizo de lema. Caruse babare kendo zobrodon de brais catavila da baradesh catava. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. Father, we give you praise. Because you are good and your mercies endure forever. Ebando dubalahia, kida boboroko sonele kida pasadiva, shangadombre isodo kobia andaskavea. You are good and your mercies endure forever. You are good and your mercies endure forever. You are good and your mercies endure forever. You are good and your mercies endure forever.
Let your name be glorified now and forevermore. Amen. 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 And you know, one of the things that you have to pray about is while we're praying, I just had the Holy Spirit remind me that blood answers to blood. Blood answers to blood. And I needed to remember that because sometimes the reason why some people die is because death was instituted into their family lines by one person and blood answers to blood. You will see that the sons of Saul were killed, not because of what they did, but because of what their father did. Their father went and killed the Gibeonites whom Joshua had made a covenant with that they would not kill them. And so because Saul violated a covenant, the head of his sons had to be given as a restitution for the blood of the Gibeonites that he shed. Blood answers to blood. So Father, in the name of Jesus, everywhere where it had been said that my blood or the blood of my children will answer for a bloody mistake that my father, my mother, or those before them made, or whether it even be a thing that I did, oh God. Father, I ask that in the name of Jesus, let the blood of Jesus answer for me in Jesus' name. I begin to ask for a reordering, and I call on the voice of the blood, that in the courts of heaven, where it, if the blood of man is raising an accusation against me, I ask that let the eternal blood of Jesus be my lawyer that speaks for me, that pleads for me, that answers for me in the name of Jesus. When an evidence for my release is being demanded for, let the blood be presented as an evidence for my release, for blood bears witness to the deliverance that I have in God, in the name of Jesus. For blood answers to blood. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You see, when God made a covenant of preservation with Abraham, part of the representation of the covenant of preservation and blessing was the circumcision that God required for every male to do in his house. Now, when Moses was going to deliver the children of Israel and was going to establish what God has said to Abraham about the fact that his people will be taken into captivity, but they will be delivered. Moses was going to execute this, but Moses had not circumcised his son. So what it looked like in the realm of the spirit was that he was in rebellion to the word of the Lord and to the seal of the covenant, yet he was trying to go and partake of the covenant. So the angel of the Lord came to take him, to kill him. The Bible says he sought to kill him, but his wife, by spiritual intelligence, took the foreskin of the son, cut it and circumcised him and put it upon, upon Moses. And the Bible says that they left him. 
you then begin to understand that what she did was a mark that, listen, he is not a rebellion to your will or to your word. We agree with the covenant that you have made with Abraham. And so we are justified to be able to represent you on this blood answers to blood. So I pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus, that Father, you would open our eyes as your people go to bed tonight. Baptize them with revelation. Baptize them with vision. Baptize them with understanding. Let them begin to see things, oh God, that they never knew existed in the foundations of their life even in their businesses, in their ministries, in their relationships, in their nations, things that they are building, open their eyes. Let them see. Make them quick. Make them wise. Make them intelligent in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I perceive that God is going to do some deliverance tonight. But as you go to bed, I need you to hold on to the revelation of the blood. Go back and confess it over and over again, over yourself. Everything that different scriptures say about the blood of Jesus. So that, because it is the things that you have confessed, meditated and muttered, that imprinted in your spirit, man. If you have not confessed it, if you have not meditated on it, if you have not consistently muttered it, it doesn't imprint in your spirit. So it is when it is imprinted in your spirit, that's when you are then able to speak it out and voice it out, even in the dead of the night or in a dream. I pray that God will help you. I pray that God will strengthen you. I pray that God will empower you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you. 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 I will see you all again tomorrow. Um, I perceive that tomorrow morning we're going to be praying about the blood. And we're just going to be instituting the order of the blood over everything that concerns us in our lives, in our families, and in our lineages. So get ready for tomorrow morning. And I know that God is doing a mighty work in us. God bless you. Stay strengthened in your fast. Don't give up. Don't give up now. Stand. Stand in the fast. Stand. Tomorrow we are entering day seven. You see, so day seven, we are already, we are almost done. We are 30% gone, 35% thereabouts. So we keep moving, okay? So God bless you, and I'll see you all tomorrow morning. God bless you. Good night. <laughs>